Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saturday night edition of the Dunk Top Basketball Podcast. It's funny, like during the day today, like nothing was really happening. And we could talk about why we think it is that, that nothing is really happening. But finally, some stuff happened in the evening. Enough interesting that we definitely needed to record for today. Sponsored today by Betterment. Go to betterment.com slash capspace to learn how to get up to six months of no management fees for lower costs, automated investing. And by Ball and Branch, the best sheets that I personally have ever slept on. Go to Bull and Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch.com and use that cap space code to get $50 off plus free U.S. shipping right now. So why don't we start, Danny, in Houston with some interesting news that we presaged on last night's program that we woke up to this morning. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly was a tumultuous day for the Rockets. And it started out with, I guess the bright word would be embarrassment with the news that what we had speculated. And I, I honestly think the reason that I couched it as hard as I did was because I have so much respect for Daryl Morey. Yeah. And he yeah. has he has, he has used the cap in ways that I couldn't have really conceived of at the time. And so I kind of thought there was no way that this would be wrong. But the over 38 rule reared its head with Nene, unfortunately for him. So what happened, basically, we talked about it a little bit last night, was he agreed to a four-year deal, four years, about $15 million last night, but there was a problem. Yeah, the problem being that that contract would be an over-38 contract because the last season of it would occur after he had turned 38, and the season, the relevant date there is October 1st. And his birthday is September 13th. So he would have turned 38 on September 13th of the last year of the deal. And therefore, it was not an illegal contract, but there is a mechanism that basically just puts all of any, it basically just reduces the salary in the first three years down by the amount of salary that's in the fourth year. So basically, you can never get more money by adding a fourth year and the reason the over it used to be the over 35 rule not then it was over 36 and then this year has changed to over 38 for chris paul and lebron james specifically who are both high up in the union but the reason it was existed in the first place was this idea that teams wouldn't have that much cap space and they wanted to sign older players so what they would do is just sign them to this really long deal that would be long after they probably were just going to retire then they'd retire and they'd get their money essentially like getting extra spend power by putting fake years onto the end of the contract that were going to occur after the guy retired and i mean a four-year deal for nene i mean age 38 is pretty old for him like most guys like him would be retired by then and so this the rule is actually kind of doing what it's supposed to do here and the reason that they felt like they had to spread it out four years is because they wanted to fit him within the non-bird exception which was 120 percent of what he got last year the room exception and to really give him the money that he wanted, one that I would even posit might have been discussed when he decided to sign on for only one year at the room exception to start, 
they wanted to just keep his non-bird rights so they wouldn't have to break into uh their full mid-level exception which they then were later used on uh, pj tucker Enzo Chi, but now Nene upset that basically four million bucks got knocked off of that four-year, fifteen million dollar deal. He says he does not want to take a three-year, ten point eight million dollar deal, and he's going to be looking elsewhere now. So that's how the day started, and then the next piece of news from the Rockets was that they were negotiating a potential trade using their what you coined the term last year of the human trade exception, and that's basically what Daryl Morey did with all of these non-guaranteed guys. And they were going to move all of that husk of cap flotsam for Amon Shumpert of the Cavs. And that's still kind of being murmured around. We don't know exactly what's going on with that. But then that got replaced by the end of the yeah. day with the news that you talked about with PJ Tucker. Tucker taking a four year, $32 well, well, don't million. Forget, they also met with Andre Guadalla today in that's LA right. as well. And then and he canceled was... all the rest of his meetings. Yeah. After that, he was supposed to meet with, with Philly. Apparently met with Sacramento at some point over the last 24 hours had met with the Spurs as well a meeting that he actually requested the Spurs did not request that and so with Tucker it seemed like once Andre signed which we'll of course be talking about later once he signed uh Andre signed then they had this set up for Tucker Brian Windhorst reporting that Toronto's offer actually was three years 33 million now of course let's not forget that every time a team doesn't get somebody either in a trade or in a free agent contract that they have the incentive to inflate what their actual offer was so they looked so they their fan base like they're trying yeah so tucker uh supposedly turned on three for 33 for four for 32 a some amount of non-guarantee on the last year as well. Uh, Chris Paul, friends with Tucker, apparently was instrumental in getting him to sign that per Windhorse. And then the Rockets also signed using the remainder of their $8.4 million mid-level exception. So Chi to a four-year deal. It looks like that's going to be, assuming that the numbers on Tucker are right as reported, he'll start at about $7.44 million, and that would leave $964,000 for Zoe to start and he that would put him about $140,000 above the rookie minimum to give him just a little bit more of a bump and he may get some guarantees but still getting him around the minimum for four years a solid deal in this day and age and he's someone who has a lot of length very thin uh I saw him at the hoop summit I think it was last year 2016 and he was struggling with an ankle injury so wasn't able to make much of an impact but he's got a a nice soft touch great block rate uh, in the Chinese league translated stats actually are are pretty good Pelton so he might develop down the road not gonna be ready to contribute this year most likely but the Tucker signing I think is just exactly what they needed and of course that's why Kevin Pelton signed him to nearly I think it actually was exactly the same contract uh and did the exact same thing with the MLE with Sochi too uh signed to this exact same contract in the mock offseason Tucker is not a perfect player but he is very good at what they need he's a versatile defender who is more adept at shooting corner threes sometimes I don't think he's necessarily reliable at it, but he's but he's good at them. He's capable, and he'll have a lot of catch and shoot opportunities with the other creators that they have. He also he's a tough defender. Can they can put him on a lot of different guys? And what you look at the Western Conference, there are a lot of challenging forwards to defend. So having somebody besides Trevor Reza who can shoulder some of that load is huge. And something else we should mention, which I think you were the first person in our cap nerd thread to to, to bring this up, was theoretically. 
if the Rockets decided to structure this differently or they haven't figured out what they're going to do with the human trade exception, they could reallocate the resources and give PJ Tucker the exact same contract via sign and trade. Actually, KP brought that up first and he actually just wrote a piece on how to do that uh, on Insider. I do like this habit you have of like giving me like credit for stuff that other people came up with though. If you could keep doing that, I I would appreciate it. Well, I mean, you're just just such a rampant tweeter that I just kind of give you credit for things that I've seen in a specific place <laughs> and then it's just not you so that's no the other the other thing that's great too is that like uh, when I screw stuff up it like disappears in the ether because there's so much other stuff there uh, but anyway yeah Tucker if the Raptors could do a, a sign and trade you know some small enticement perhaps to, to get them to do that they have his full bird right so they can sign him and do the trade get those non-guaranteed guys back and wave them or perhaps maybe even uh, if the Raptors wanted to then engage in their own sign and trade although actually it would take too long because if the, once those guys got aggregated and they're over the cap you'd have to wait another two months to aggregate them again uh, the reason they can actually all be aggregated together now is because the rockets actually took them in when they were under the cap so then you don't have any problems with aggregating them again very quickly in any event still something the raptors maybe could be enticed to, to do and then that would still leave more of that middle level exception open for them to go for somebody else or maybe give nene a little bit more money and, and bring in one more role player as well just talk a little bit more about tucker's fit and you think of the lineup this will probably be their closing lineup now you'd imagine you have paul harden ariza tucker and capella or maybe nene if they bring him back or some other big or maybe you could go with ryan anderson at center at times too or maybe they even could get one more guy who'd be like kind of a wing guy and they could even play tucker at center but tucker just provides so much more defensive versatility they can switch a lot more now tucker is a guy i think he's a good matchup for kevin durant because he does well getting into guys also guards guys like anthony davis real well just like really gets low he's strong he's intense he pushes guys off their spots he's not an unbelievable defensive player especially against smaller guys who can get him out on the floor and take advantage of him with quickness but he's still worlds beyond what they had last year and even ariza you know didn't really have the strength to do with a lot of guys like tucker is a great matchup for Kawhi leonard for example and now being able to just put a, a solid lineup out there three very high quality defenders including paul who's also a good switch guy you can protect harden a lot more the problem with tucker a little bit is offense you know he's really only probably you would think of him as a reliable three-point shooter from the corner and he does really absolutely nothing else at this point so i I still like him though i mean he's he's enough that you have to at least guard him from three Uh, the bucks and Cavs didn't do that too much he shot it okay at times in the playoffs other times just wasn't able to create shots I mean he was having games where he was going you know playing 30 minutes and taking two shots which is just not enough uh to really be a threat but we'll see I mean I think he is there anyone else out there that you would have preferred that they get with their they realistically could have gotten with their uh mid-level exception I don't see anyone personally no I mean I guess maybe if they could have gotten James Johnson and I think I'd rather have PJ Tucker for specifically what they need yes it's between those two guys though yeah I, I agree with you there and then the Shumpert thing is that to me now now that they have Tucker doesn't make a ton of sense any longer I mean it's always nice to get more bodies on the wing but they already have one guy who's a good defensive player and kind of a questionable shooter Tucker has more defensive versatility than Shumpert makes less mistakes and if they were to bring in Shumpert now uh, where they are in terms of the cap once Tucker is brought in and, and Zoe's brought in they'll have 10 guys uh, including Bobby Braun who you imagine they're probably going to bring back now because he is buddies with Chris Paul and was part of recruiting him, apparently enough. And Nene, if they brought him back, that's 11 guys. 
and they if they bring him back they'll basically be at the same number that we were talking about they'll basically be you know 13 million shy of the apron and so if you use up nine of that on shumpert then you still got to fill out another three roster spots probably each of those at the 1.5 million dollar veterans minimum at least that's what it counts against the cap and now you're like really close to the hard cap uh, which of course would apply because they would have acquired someone in using their mle uh, they also might be hard pressed to use their bae as well their which is 3.3 million dollars and give up out to a two-year contract so I really would much rather just have the flexibility, the ability to take on more salary later in the year, just sign guys to 10-day contracts and not be worrying about it because you cannot go over that hard cap for any reason at all and so i think shumpert really doesn't add that much more i think they could do more just by trying to find someone else in a sign and trade uh, or just a straight up trade as well obviously they could do uh, than getting shumpert so i would be very surprised if that deal happens now they also don't have a lot of fungible salary i mean so if you think about the guys that are on this team there aren't many they're like you said it's 10 guys almost all of them are essential to rotation so unless they're going to make some sort of larger structural move involving somebody like eric Gordon, Gordon or something, I, which I don't expect at all. Then it, yeah, it doesn't. They make need much his. Sense. They need Gordon shooting now. He's Absolutely. their only. He's only, their well, third I mean, guard. They still have Anderson. They still have Anderson too. But yeah, I mean that he. But he among guys who can actually play some defense, uh, Gordon. I mean, and maybe you could go now. Yeah, maybe that could even be the line if you play Harden at the three, Gordon at the two, uh, and Gordon is like pretty strong. He could do a little bit of switching. Ariza at the four, Tucker at the five. I mean, that's not. It doesn't have a ton of size, but that could be a very intriguing lineup as well. But yeah, so my point is just that if they get there, it's going to be hard and the Rockets will unsurprisingly be a buyout destination depending on how their playing time shakes out and how how the rotation looks in late February. But I think that they should save more flexibility if they can. We'll see whether they can. And Nene's a big part of that because backup center is now their biggest need. Yes, that's true because they lost Montreal Harrell as well. But the good news is there's plenty of backup bigs on the market oh, yeah. available. And, and for... as we did in the mock-off season, some of them will not get money so someone yeah. will take houston's money also very interesting is where they will be next year with trevor ariza chris paul and clint capella who will be a restricted free agent even with just those cap holds paul for the max ariza is pretty low capella is pretty low they're already 10 10 million dollars over the tax just with that and so ariza and capella would probably require raises so they could be very very taxed out next year assuming that chris paul were to return and then it would get even more ridiculous once james harden is uh, designated veteran extension kicks in if in fact uh he were to sign that which he is eligible for this year uh, anything else you wanted to say on houston no we have lots of other things to talk about with other teams so let's move on all right first though i'm going to make a mistake and start thinking about going to bed it's already pretty late at night here but i'll be going to bed on my incredibly comfortable bowl and branch sheets b-o-l-l and branch is the name of the company use the cap space code and you can get fifty dollars off plus free u.s shipping at bowl and branch.com b-o-l-l and branch.com these sheets are the most comfortable that i've slept on they are very comfortable from a temperature standpoint i find myself kind of sweating at night much less my girlfriend as well really seems to like them a lot 
And we're not the only ones who really like them. They have thousands of five-star reviews. New York Times, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, raise the bottom. Three U.S. presidents have bowl and branch sheets. And that's a much better way of determining quality than like, oh, thread count. Like, what does that mean? Oh, oh, it's Egyptian cotton instead of Indian cotton. Like, does that, you really have any idea what that means for like your actual comfort when you're sleeping in bed? Because I really have no idea. And if I go to a store and try and like touch the sheet in that weird square bag where it's pulled all taut, you can't really tell anything either. So the only way to try out sheets is to actually try them. And that's why Bull and Branch lets you try them for 30 nights and see for yourself how good they are if you're not impressed you can return them for a full refund so there's really no reason not to try them ball and branch.com b-o-l and branch.com promo code cap space gets you 50 dollars off and of course lets them know that you came from us as well as support the program ball and branch.com promo code cap space i which probably should go to golden state next since we mentioned them already andre guadala will return three years 48 million now fully guaranteed the reporting indicated that their initial offer was for two years then they wanted to bring in a partial guarantee in year three and finally got to three for 48 fully guaranteed his initial report is three for 45 maybe we'll see that there are some incentives in there to get it closer to three for 45 which i'm hoping for because that would mean that the mock-off season was pretty close to right in the mock-off season we had it three for 45 but the last year was half guaranteed but it would it would guarantee based on what we thought would be attainable plan time incentive so feeling like we got that one pretty decently and i thought it was very interesting we talked yesterday about how andre was trying to gin up a market and it appears whether he succeeded at that whether he just made enough of a fuss that he was able to get the warriors to go a little bit outside of their comfort zone with this deal i had thought in my brain that it was going to go to like a 14 mil a year kind of range that was where and i mean when we negotiated the mock-off season that's what i had in mind he did push beyond that and that third year that is the reason reason that it has lingered for people especially those around the team is because that's the season when clay thompson will get his raise so the team is going to get very very expensive more so than they already are and so that is also an argument for biting the bullet now and actually front loading this contract to make it so that the payment then is a little bit less and that would also theoretically if they decided they wanted to trade him i'm guessing even though he andre was eligible for a no trade that he did not receive one considering steph did not receive one. So then if they decided you know they had enough around that that they didn't need Iguodala that they could trade him at that point yeah that's that's a good point they now at least have some tradable salaries although again he was he was part of the whole deal he sold KD on coming here KD took the non-bird exception or will be taking the non-bird exception to allow these deals to occur allowing them to retain the cap holds of Livingston and Iguodala so that they could pay them whatever Joe Lacob's pocketbook and their negotiating power would allow. And I think Lakeup deserves some credit here because what I thought would probably happen was that Andre might get a deal like this but that and I thought Andre's market when I made those initial predictions would be a lot more robust we can talk about whether there really was anything there or not it sounds like actually the Warriors had the largest offer which uh is a little bit of a surprise to me but then they also brought back Livingston at eight million a year right so with that it's really like Lakeup could easily have just said hey Sean you hang out and wait until we get Livingston done and if Livingston costs too much we're just gonna totally lowball Livingston I thought that actually Livingston as we mentioned yesterday 
did well to get his eight million i'm not sure that that type of deal was was there for him elsewhere well, yeah, either. especially because it looked more like mccall was going to replace livingston right. and now and now they don't really have to do that and so maybe mccall will replace ian clark or maybe who knows maybe they'll bring ian clark back if his market dries up which it very well could as it could for almost all of these guys now and also the yeah. warriors well, I, I actually i think that this this how expensive this is makes it less likely that clark and mcadoo and maybe even JaVale McGee will return because what they're going to be looking for now is guys who are a making the rookie minimum this year so that they cost a lot less this year you know that could actually save them a pretty damn good chunk of change and then also guys who are be on long deals you know probably use they'll do a three-year deal with some of their non-taxpayer mid-level for you know maybe like three or four guys on non-guarantees who can come in and compete in camp you know maybe play in in santa cruz maybe some of them will, will get cut and go on to two-way contracts if their guarantees are, are less than fifty thousand. but it's or i'm sorry no that wouldn't have anything to do with the two-way contracts but it, they could just be affiliate players go down to santa cruz and the reason i say that is because they just need to find guys who are going to contribute on the cheap for you know that huge payment they're going to have in 2019-20 when of course you know they will be moving into the new arena as well which is huge and so you would think like clark javel like those guys aren't going to be around in two or three years so they might as well just like churn through as many guys as they can to just try and find you know another decent contributor as well right now i have them we make the assumption that they have iguodala decline as much as possible so he would start at 17 million this year end up at 14 million in 2019-20 when he'll be 35 also assume that jordan bell signs for the rookie minimum because signed for that last year i think bell will probably sign for that this year even though maybe he might have had a little more leverage than that i would bet that the warriors wouldn't have made that deal had they not already talked to his agent and found out that he would in fact accept the minimum so that's adrian 15k that gives them 11 players under contract. They're 14.7 million over the tax line. That would have them paying about 28 million in tax and a total of 161 million in team salary plus tax. And now, though, with only 11 of the 15 slots filled in the roster, even if you go veterans minimum, and you have to imagine there's no way they fill out the rest of the roster for less than 5 million. At that point, 15 to 20 million over the tax, each extra dollar costs them an additional $3.25. So just filling out the rest of the roster with vet minimum contracts, that'll probably cost them an additional $20 million. So they're looking at $180 million payroll. That would be, I think, the second highest in NBA history uh, behind 2013-14 Brooklyn Nets. I have it penciled in for right now at about $144 million because I'm counting Zaza Pachulia taking, taking the... I think they're going to use some money on a guy yeah. like that no you're and right so, they will have to yeah absolutely and so then so if it's a 144 then my estimated tax payment on that would be about 64 million so then they break the 200 they break the 200 million dollar barrier that's kind of where i'm putting it right now i could be wrong but i and that that's you know it's significant in a way but they're the best team in the league at least as of right now and i think they will be moving forward and this is you know th- these are the types of teams that are works worth spending that kind of money on so props to like Jacob and Goober for actually doing it because as we've seen before there have been other teams worth spending on and the owners haven't done it but it looks like the Warriors are not going to be that and let's not say that they're doing this necessarily that altruistically I'm, I'm sure, sure they feel like not. most owners do feel some modicum of responsibility to the fan base but they got that new arena and I happen to know I actually toured one of the suites with, with a buddy of mine how much those things are going to cost and uh, yeah they're pretty expensive and they're trying to sell those right now they can't afford any negative publicity as far as guys getting 
leaving you know Iguodal leaving so he he had some leverage over them even if he didn't necessarily have a, other offers elsewhere or is the those offers weren't as high as uh, what Golden State was offering so they can't screw this up. I mean, it's, it'll be the same thing probably with Clay Thompson as well going into the new arena. They really will need to retain all these guys and still be good, you know, maintain the status of being unbelievable. And then once they get everyone seats bought, season tickets bought, you know, the, those suites are going to be like, you know, you basically have to pay for 10 years. Uh, you sign like a 10 year contract for them. So then at that point, I think actually perversely, once they're in the new arena, we might actually see a little bit more cost cutting as opposed to these next couple of years. That could very well be true. And remember, Livingston has a, a reported partial guarantee on that last year. So that could right. tie in as well. Yeah. And you have to imagine, I mean, Zaza, maybe he won't get as much as the non-bird, which is $3.5 million. David West also, by the way, is going to return. Terms were not reported, but I would be absolutely shocked if it were. I mean, maybe it won't be the minimum. Maybe it'll be his non-bird exception, which would be a little bit Which above would cost there, them but, a lot more. Yeah. No, you know, I mean, that's the thing, right? I think it, it probably, they would want it to be the minimum because then the league pays everything above what it would cost for a second year minimum guy uh so i think they probably are just going to be able to get him for that but you know i mean what if uh they don't bring back zaza you know he won't take the minimum and you just have to maybe they could get some other semi-established big on the minimum but you're going in with damian jones and and david west and jordan bell for next year at center i mean that's not the absolute end of the world i'd like to see what jones can do but hard to imagine that jones could play against a team like the cavaliers or the spurs or the rockets in the playoffs and west just can't play that many minutes and isn't a big enough body for some matchups so they do need to get somebody else in there and somebody will take their money either now or on the buyout market it's just going to happen we just don't know who it's going to be yeah yeah and if zaza leaves they would have you know their non-taxpayer or i'm sorry their taxpayer mid-level some of which will go probably to jordan bell on a three-year deal but outside of that they should be all right there so let's move on now to a very interesting one the detroit pistons this was to me is the biggest head scratcher so far that was just like whoa what for like a number of reasons langston galloway three years 21 million with detroit who would have thought that the first head scratcher came from a coach gm yeah I, although as, as we did note uh when on that mailbag probably are two of the three best gms of the last like 20 years uh are were coach gms pat riley and greg popovich sure but, and if you want to dig deeper i mean red auerbach was one too but it's yeah that, but, that i don't i don't want to dig that deep okay but so <laughs> the game was totally different back then langston galway is a shocker for me for two big reasons one was just the idea of need so reggie jackson is i mean yes he disappointed last year but he is their starting point guard and then they paid a boatload of money for ish smith last year so you have that kind of question of okay where's this guy going to fit in and then not only that but presumably they're bringing to bring back kcp they just used a lottery pick on luke Kennard, who apparently looked pretty good today in summer league i didn't watch so you have those guards langston galway is better than a few of them but he's not better than all of them and then so that part of it i'm like huh that's strange and then the money because he got the full mid-level exception which does two big things. Well, but the well you biggest should say, one, I mean, he breaks into the mid-level. He's, he's above the, the taxpayer mid-level. He, yeah, he's still, he's, sorry, sorry. Yeah, he's They a, still he's left a little tax- bit of room to probably, to, you know, to sign some second second round guys or minimum guys or whatever to, sure. to longer than, uh you know, two-year contracts. But, but yeah. So the biggest thing this does is it hard caps the Detroit Pistons. And that's a stunner because they still haven't figured out what's going on with Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Yeah, 
very surprising to me. Why couldn't they just have offered it if you really felt like you needed this guy that bad? And frankly, especially this early in the market, because things have been really slow right now. I think they could do better. I mean, we didn't even get to Langston Galloway and we were basically, everyone was at minimums by the time we finished up in the mock off season. And he was still pretty far down the list, at least as far as our quality. So I don't think he's that great. Does provide a little bit of a need as it can switch to guard either guard spot, but he's kind of, you know, not great offensively at either position. He can shoot threes, but that's really about all he does offensively. Provides solid defense at either guard position. Not great defense. And so they kind of needed a guy like that. They haven't really had a decent backup for KCP. I mean, as you mentioned, I disliked this signing slightly less when they made it a year ago and it was called Ish Smith. But, and Ish, I thought, you know, was coming off a much better season than Galway. Probably had more of, and it was in a much more favorable player cap environment. And he still signed for less than Galloway. All that. And then, KCP if they have to give KCP the max which would be 24.8 million dollars if they have to match a max offer and his agency is clutch sports we've seen them go deep into the restricted process with guys like Eric Bledsoe Tristan Thompson also you know they're fine waiting with J.R. Smith as well he got his money eventually so they're not afraid to, to drag it out but they're definitely they're not going to take you know much less than the max I would imagine and if they have to give him the max, which is certainly a contingency I'd be planning for, they would be $3.4 million over the apron, i.e. they could not, as it stands right now, give him the max. And, you know, they still only have 12, would have 12 players if they bring him back, including Luke Kennard. That assumes they cut uh, Michael Benajay, the who was their draft pick last year, scheduled to make the minimum this year. But his, uh, actually, it's maybe a little worse than that because I think he has 500000 guaranteed already. But yeah, they couldn't match an offer. They would have to get off of money. Now, when I tweeted that, I got a couple of tweets back uh, from Vincent Ellis, for example, saying he's been told that this won't affect kcp so he claims that there are, uh, are probably other machinations afoot everyone has been telling both he and rod beard out of detroit as well that this won't affect kcp but all right they must have some other deal lined up uh, to dump salary then and that's either going to cost them an asset or it's going to cost them a pretty decent player and i wouldn't have done that for langston galloway so i could give langston galloway another 1.5 million number one why wasn't he going to take the the taxpayer mid-level uh, or and number two if he wasn't i feel like you could have done as well or better with that for somebody else so it really just another example of stan vigati just paying two or three million dollars too much for like every single player he signs and hey that that adds up and now that's like he could have an extra 10 or 15 million in space if he just negotiated a little bit harder and they wouldn't be hard capped they'd have plenty of money right now they also owe on their cap and so it affects all this 5.3 million to jr to sorry not to josh smith and if they had fought a little bit harder on that gotten him to take something instead of just frustration cutting him and stretching him then maybe they'd have something to work with as well yeah i think that's right maybe they even could have just secured a buyout from the guy just save even a little bit there let's talk about kcp though now because with jj reddick signing in philly which we'll of course get to not sure what the obvious landing spot is for kcp in this max offer brooklyn is maybe one I think that's where Sack, it is. Yeah, yeah. Sack doesn't, you know, they've got a billion shooting guards already that are that are pretty young. You wouldn't think them. Phoenix doesn't need a shooting guard. They got Devin Booker. Miami has got plenty of shooting guards. Indiana could could use a shooting guard. They've got basically right at max space. You could see that maybe them doing that later. We haven't heard them discussed in concert with absolutely anyone at all after that awful George trade, but probably not. Doesn't seem like they'll be going that way. Chicago, they've got Zach Levine. They're probably going to be doing the chill out route. Denver has 
has space, but they have plenty of shooting guards. They got Gary Harris. So really, it seems like Brooklyn, maybe you could say Atlanta would be another, but they already got Kent Bazemore. They, they're, it sounds like they're going to re-sign Tim Hardaway or he'll he'll get a big offer. I mean, they, and they've, they've still got DeAndre Bembry, who isn't, you know, may not be any good, but Torian Prince, they've got options on the wing. So it seems like Brooklyn are bust uh, for KCP at this point to get the max offer. But then if it, if that is not forthcoming, then maybe it, it gets into, you know, qualifying offer, stalemate late into the summer land. And it's you we had discussed the in like off air the idea of the Sixers getting Caldwell Pope either by an offer sheet or by just a sign in trade in, in case the, the the Pistons just don't like him as much as we think they do. And that's functionally off the table now. But if he signed his qualifying offer, all of a sudden that opens up some some pretty interesting possibilities for him. Big, big financial risk, though. Big financial risk. Yeah, I mean, he was the number eight pick in 2013. Hasn't made that much. We'll see what happens. I mean, and Stan going into this critical fourth year of his regime when they took a step back last year. I mean, he, you would have to imagine that with his job security potentially an issue now, he can't afford to just lose KCP. I mean, if, if they lose KCP, there's no way I think they're they're even getting close to the playoffs. Even though the East has, of course, weakened considerably. In Cleveland, Jose Calderon signing a one-year deal for the perpetually taxed out Cavaliers. Interesting reporting from Dave McMenamin, LeBron James not participating at all in attempting to recruit free agents to Cleveland that is not a great sign going forward and Calderon certainly not really to me a playoff quality backup point guard got some minutes in Atlanta last year in the playoffs and wasn't horrible but you know I mean defensively there's no way he could play a single minute against Golden State in the finals for example uh so just kind of a caretaker guy hopefully you know but he he could also get hurt very easily as well that's the other problem with signing all these old dudes for them He's fine for insurance as a third point guard. We haven't heard anything about Darren Williams' market. Would he come back for the minimum? That's what happened in the the mock off season, but he may have a better market available than that. And uh, also, uh, the reporting behind the potential Amon Shumpert trade was that they would be hoping to free up more money to sign Kyle Korver. Well, I mean, they don't really need to free it up. It would just be tax money, and I wouldn't be messing around with LeBron James potentially leaving but it does kind of seem like so much of what's going on in cleveland points in the direction of like it's fate accompli that he's just gonna leave right like he's not helping with the recruiting chauncey billups has been sitting on this offer to be their pobo president of basketball operations for over 10 days now he's gonna play in this big three three on three tournament tomorrow in charlotte that's the last time we'll ever mention the big three on this program, by the way. They've got Dan Gilbert and Cody, Kobe Altman trying to run the team right now. They were involved in the Paul George sweepstakes. And then it, the reporting today has indicated that, no, actually, the Pacers, I mean, this is, could just be sour grapes, but that they just like wanted him to not, not be in the East. So that's why they wouldn't deal with Cleveland or Boston. And my, my response to that, of course, is, oh, don't worry. If you deal him for this bullshit package, you're not going to have to worry about play, facing him in the playoffs for a long time anyway but yeah go, go it's, ahead it's, un, it's unreal long. i mean I, I if if that's if that's the reason also the idea of them getting impatient what what are you rushing for what what are they going to be some big players in the offseason that they need to figure this out 
Well, the other thing that was interesting too was some more reporting. Zach Lowe was at the forefront of this. Woj talking about it on TV on ESPN that the Celtics didn't actually have a pending offer out there to Indiana at the time. They made a nice offer at the draft, and that offer wasn't good enough. But then they felt like, hey, we can't really just you know deal a bunch of starters for Paul George. We don't even know what's going to happen with Gordon Hayward yet. And so they kind of wanted to wait. And we that's the same way we played it in the mock off season. In the mock off season, the Pacers actually were rational. They're like, no, let's actually wait for Boston offer because guess what all these other offers from denver and cleveland involving denver and cleveland or you know we didn't even have okc bid because you know they couldn't provide an actual competitive offer but you know certainly that okc offer wasn't going nowhere those two guys were under contract that, that could have happened four days from now just fine they felt like they needed to do it on the first day of free agency for some reason but so and maybe it was in fact that they did try to go back to boston again if it wasn't just oh we got a deal him to the west which was you know I, I don't know how much stock to put in that because kevin pritchard's never going to say that and that's just like an impression that like Cavs and celtics are leaking most likely that it was an emotional decision that's what, what supposedly the other executives feel and it probably was because it was dumb but uh so anyway maybe they did go to boston as we suggested and boston was like you have a better offer we'll call your bluff and then uh no he he, he was he was bluffing but he had you know seven two <laughs> but thought he was bluffing I think we should talk about the, we haven't talked about either of the two richest deals of the day, the one that was just overall, and then the second one, which is the, actually the second highest also in terms of a- annual value, because it's only one year. And which one do you want to do first? Yeah, let's go to New Orleans, where Drew Holiday returning on a five-year, $126 million deal. We actually predicted five for 125 last night when it came out that he probably was going to return there if they paid up, and they did. This is a deal that could apparently go to grow to as much as five for 150 with incentives, although that would be more than 15% of the contract. So that would surprise me if it really could be that much. Yeah, it's probably a little less than that. I, the reporting around some of these details is always murky and you can't blame oh, yeah. reporters because they're just like getting a hurried text message from an agent or something like they don't have time to like get into the minutia and then they're just going to share what they were told, you know, so... I, and, if, and, agent, I, I, and agents I, yeah. want the strongest numbers out there. So, of sure. course, if there's any ambiguity, they're going to fudge it a little bit up. Yeah, I mean, at least this isn't as bad as football where it's like, oh, yeah, Derek Carr, like, you know, I don't know what, what he got, like $150 million or something. But then it's like only two years of their guarantee. At least it's not that bad. But, you know, if it gets reported as a lot and then it gets oh no actually like the last year is nine guaranteed or no actually like two million a year is unlikely incentives or something like what everybody who cares about picking agencies is that first tweet and everyone's going crazy about this is the number and they don't like go back and see a day later oh yeah it's actually much less let's go look on basketball insiders and see like what the actual guaranteed money is like no one does that so that's why agents do that but if it will just treat as five for 126 not as bad actually as it could have been but i think it got to the point where Drew didn't really have another market and certainly not another market that would have offered him as much of a chance to win and obviously the fifth year as well as New Orleans so something that I think makes sense for both sides this is one of those ones much like Nikola Batum last year where if you were making just a pure basketball decision you would start him close to the max which would be as high as 28.7 million and then decline him over the life of the contract down to 21.7 million but they'll of course do the opposite of that because they're pretty close to the tax this year and you know who cares uh future Dell dumps is the guy who uh has probably been screwed over more than anyone in the nba because present Dell is 
not worried about what future Dell has to deal with. And so they will, and you know, they obviously probably don't even have license from ownership to pay the tax. So assuming Drew gets the absolute minimum that he can to fulfill that five for 126, he will start at 21.7 million this year. That will put them 8.8 million over the cap. And they'll still have about 11.3 to work with before hitting the tax. They'll have their full mid-level exception available. They also have full bird rights on Dante Cunningham and potentially maybe even they could go over the tax a little bit and try to get off of the money for Ajinsa. Ashik might be immovable unless they really throw in a, a lot. But at least if they pay two-thirds of Ajinsa's salary this season and then move him at the trade deadline, it becomes more palatable to dump him with only a year and a third left on that contract at about $5 million per. So what do they need now as a team? I think they still uh, you know, perpetually need someone who can actually play the three defensively and hit a shot. I would say they need shooting more broadly too. I would say the the ideal four guy for them when they play Cousins or Davis would be somebody who can really shoot. Maybe that's Dante Cunningham. Ideally, I'd say it's somebody a little bit better. I would have loved Omri Caspi there, but alas, that's the way things go. Yeah, well, he could, he could, I mean, they could still offer him part of their mid-level. Maybe it'd be enough. Who knows? He, he would he play there. He knows that at least. He uh, does. You know, Gerald, Gerald Henderson can't shoot, but it would be a good fit defensively there and uh you know Kyle Korver maybe could be someone but you'd think he would go to try try for more of a, a winning situation another guy who's actually been mentioned there has been Nick Young I think actually that's not too bad of a fit I mean because they just need they have one guy on this team right now I guess no how, how could I forget I'm sorry Danny they have two guys on this team who can create a perimeter shot one is Drew Holiday and Jordan Crawford who can create all the perimeter shots you need they just may not go in although he did play well in his late season cameo there after returning from China but yeah so so someone like that might be good maybe even like a return for Tyreek Evans could make a little bit of sense on a make good hill of a chance to to play a role there so I think there are guys that they could get who could help them a little bit it's just a question of all right can they use the full mid-level of 8.4 million then you're 3 million away from the tax you still got to fill out on minimum so they could be a little bit constrained here we'll see what happens but this is this is one of those ones for sure where if they're willing to just go like 5 million into the tax this year, that they could just, it would help the competitiveness of their team so much more. And DeMarcus Cousins is apparently recruiting for them. So that's good. But I mean, they, they got to do well here and they, you know, if, if things work out, this could be a team that gets into at least, you know, the sixth seed or something like that. And, and the secret here is that spending, let's say 5 million into the tax, if they make the playoffs that added playoff revenue and the excitement that comes around that they will make that money back. But that's not the way most yeah, they might even ownership sell groups. Out. Yeah, that's not the way most ownership groups think about this. And they think too short-sighted. They make these moves and and they, the team is worse off for it. Well, I think we can Philadelphia, transition. Philadelphia, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just transitioned from short-sighted to a team that is now reaping the rewards from not being short-sighted. The, I, I think this is kind of the natural evolution of part of the process. And J.J. Redick, one year, $23 million, fulfilling Kevin Pelton's vision in the mock-off season, but also fulfilling filling what the Sixers damn well should have done unless they could get somebody like KCP yeah that's a good point and if they wanted Redick and this this is why being a restricted free agent sucks so much right and why the fact that they still meant you didn't have to start matching until after the moratorium still screw this is a perfect case study right ideally Philly could have said all right July 1st 1201 a.m. 
We're, here's a max offer kcp detroit you got two days to match okay you matched fine we'll go get jj reddick now jj can you hang out for a couple of days no way jj reddick is going to hang out until july 8th and they need somebody they need someone who can shoot tlc and stauskas are not getting it done reddick was the best shooter on the market just a, the absolute best possible offensive fit for the guys that they have simmons fultz and Embiid. the focal points there sarge is a nice fit if they're going to play Jewel Okafor and post him up. Reddick helps him as well. Although Okafor may not be long for the team, as we'll see. But for Reddick, not as much as would have been expected. But at least at 34, maybe he could get on and get a, a longer term deal with more of a contender next season. He can get paid probably more than he could have gotten anywhere else for this first year. And I'm not sure even for him where, you know, Philly is a, a better situation right now, more of a winning situation than a lot of places he could end up. Like compared to like Brooklyn or something, which you know may have been willing to make him an offer i mean who else might realistically have been in the mix for him at anywhere near this price point minnesota had priced themselves out of this by getting jeff teague and they're looking justifiably in other directions now so it's hard to see really where it would have been and i mean denver doesn't need that sort of a guy so yeah it's not not really a particularly good fit i think that reddick on a one-year deal also he just makes sense because then both sides get a chance to evaluate this if they want to bring him back he's paid enough right now and we'll see this throughout kind of these next couple of years if guys actually take short contracts the non-bird on him is more than enough to give him his next contract if they really want to bring him back whether it's higher or lower than his current salary they can do that if they want they'll also maybe have cap space next year we still have to figure out exactly where they're going with it and reddick is on a one-year contract helps make them better not in a way that sabotages their future so these guys will pro- i think they're going to make the playoffs if they stay remotely healthy we don't know if they will and they still have a lot of stuff to prove i mean they have two number one picks that yeah. haven't played a minute in Man, the NBA. Joel Embiid is going to have a lot of work. To, he and Robert Covington are going to have a lot of work to do on defense with, I mean, Reddick tries, you know, we give him credit for that, but he just doesn't have the physical capabilities. Fultz is going to be awful. Simmons will probably be awful defensively. Saric is pretty bad. They've got Okafor still might play some minutes, especially because Embiid, you know, they're still saying he's probably going to be on a minutes limit next year as well. It's all about uh, Rashawn Simmons, Holmes, baby. Simmons might be on, on a minutes limit. Holmes has physical ability, but, you know, I don't think of him as, as a great defender yet in terms of technique so you know we'll see where they end up defensively like it's uh they're gonna be like a a totally different team as they were this year still when Embiid plays or doesn't play that's true Uh, yeah I mean they've got you know they got like Justin Anderson they've got some guys who can defend a little bit on this team McConnell as as a backup point guard is solid there so Philly basically is looking done here they well we should mention their other move yes that's right yeah because they they brought in Amir Johnson for one year 11. Amir is that's that seems like too much for him to me but a nice fit in terms of a veteran big man who can kind of maybe help establish a defensive mentality with their bigs whoever those end up being other than Joel Embiid and that's fine you know it's not a long-term contract he is a former Colangelo guy because he played for Brian in Toronto so that that I think was probably a part of how this happened and I feel like this makes at least one of their other centers expendable maybe even both Jaleel is the more logical one to move just because he presumably has more value and because he still has two years on his rookie scale contract so when you're thinking about maybe paying Alex Len or paying any of these my 
Mason Plumley or any of these guys, if you can get Jaleel Okafor for not much, I would much rather take that gamble at his price than any of those guys. Yeah, as long as you're not trying to actually win this year because his defense might just be so bad that... Right, but like, let's say you're the Hawks. Him. Like, if you're oh, the yeah. Hawks, wouldn't you rather just throw like a second round pick or something like that at, at Jaw instead of giving Mason Plumley 10 million? Yeah, I mean, they still... I, for a second round pick, I still just wouldn't trade him if I were Philly. I mean, he, if he's healthy this year, uh, he could... A, he could look better. And B, he's going to get his chances because Embiid, you know, is going to miss time even just if if he stays healthy, just as normal maintenance. And that I think was part of the rationale for the signing. And I, I understand why you would need another big man, but spending 11 million really seems like a lot, especially because now you're they've got about 15 million left. They're eating into some of what they could use to renegotiate and extend Robert Covington. Maybe that deal is just struck already, and it's going to be cheaper than we think it is. Or maybe the problem is be they renegotiate and extend him, but then they're they don't get as much of a drop down as we would have if you maybe had started him at 20 million a year this year with the renegotiation but they don't have enough room to do that the most they could renegotiate him up to now would be about 16.5 million he's making 1.6 right now oh so something Still, i want to uh, ask uh, yeah. you quickly is so i talked about the idea of trading to look for would you keep stauskas on this roster or does having reddick just kind of mean that you don't really need stauskas at this point well stauskas this is now his last year before restricted free agency making 3.8 million i don't see any reason not to keep him around and just to get another shooter he took some steps forward last year still probably not good but maybe you could get there and and guys who can shoot the ball he finally shot the ball well at least for the first time in his career last year so no i think i would hold on to him i mean they owe him the money at this point so you're just talking about just trading him for nothing basically well so the other part of it is that they're now with furkan korkmaz coming over they're at 15 roster spots by my count and yeah and i like korkmaz more than Stauskas probably exactly and so like I would I do too and I like TLC much better than I like Stauskas so they could also just theoretically move him more like training camp time if they decide that there's a guy that's on their camp roster or summer league that they like better but I just feel like the upside for them at this point is is low enough that I would consider it they have more intel than we do but that's the other way of clearing the clearing the Covington money without having to sell low on Julia look for yeah that's a good point there too and we'll see again what, what it's it's going to end up being for Covington of interest next year doesn't really impact their 2018-19 space they're looking at if they do not extend Joel Embiid about 35 million in space that they could get to still and I just I just think they could have gotten a better player than Johnson like that was really like I know he's a good locker room guy and part of the thought is well we want someone who's like okay with not playing but still can play a little bit and and it will be a good bet for these dudes but I I just think if they would have waited longer they could have either gotten him for cheaper or they could have gotten someone else who's actually a better player than him at this point yeah I certainly think that's fair all right we will be back in a moment but first this from Betterment Betterment presents financial fact number 24. Not all financial advisors are required by law to act in your best interests. That means if you're better off investing in company A, they may advise you to invest in company B because they may get a kickback from that transaction. A financial advisor that commits to providing advice in your best interest is called a fiduciary and Betterment is a fiduciary. Betterment is the largest independent online financial advisor and promises to act in its customers' best interests. How? Betterment is built on technology to bring you sophisticated investing and financial advice that is constantly working to optimize your money and help you to reach your financial
financial goals, all at a lower cost than more traditional financial services. If you like talking to a person, Betterment also offers calls with their team of CFP professionals and licensed financial experts. Regardless of what service you prefer, you pay only a flat fee starting at 0.25%. There are no additional charges for transactions, transfers, or rebalancing. Betterment offers other special tools as well, like tax impact preview, allowing you to see the estimated effect any moves you make may have on your tax liability. Not all investment services tell you what your tax bill could be because they may make money from your transactions. Betterment also has smart deposit that allows you to automatically invest any funds above a certain balance in your bank account. This is a great time to get started with Betterment and save for your retirement or other financial goals because don't on listeners can get up to six months of no fees and let them know that you came from us. Learn how at betterment.com slash capspace. That's betterment.com slash capspace. Well, I'll leave it up to you. Where do you want to go next? Joe Ingles, who we lamented that restricted free agency was very unfair for a 29-year-old who will turn 30 before the start of the season, really his first chance at a big contract. He got a pretty big contract. Four years, $52 million, returning to the Utah Jazz. Yeah, this guy actually, we didn't quite nail this one on the mock-off season. No. That we gave him three for 45 from Philly and the Jazz it matched it there were rumors of as high as four for 60 from the magic which we talked about yesterday as being completely insane this is not gonna be a good contract maybe for the first year he'll be worth it he shot it really well on three pointers last year but at age 29 he is at 39 percent for his career so i think he'll continue to be solid but added some three-point shooting off the bounce or moving a little bit more versatility i don't know if he can continue to shoot the ball at the same rate and did get shut down in the playoffs at, at times but he's a guy just a, a solid offensive player can drive finish at the rim when he's open or he can just drive and kick keep the spacing train moving and defensively knows where to be so he's a solid player but this deal seems more like leverage in two ways one of course the, the fact that he had other offers elsewhere and they were re- reporting that he had offers around that magic range in a number of places and then also the leverage of he's one of gordon hayward's best buddies and if you cheap out and let joe ingles go and don't have him signed before you sit down in that meeting with gordon hayward on july 3rd you're gonna look bad now the jazz can have that meeting with him and say hey look we did everything we could. G Hill, we offered him as much as, as we could. We offered him 80 million. He's not even get close to 80 million. And, and we he didn't want to re-sign here. So we brought in Ricky Rubio. We did pretty well there, right? Uh, and then we we brought in uh, Joe Engels as well, four for 52. We, we paid market rate there. And they're going to be right about that because... As of now, Utah, if they bring back Hayward, will be into the tax. And I'm not sure where they are in terms of finances, being able to pay that, how that works with the trust as far as getting authorization to pay the tax. But if you want to talk about the value of the franchise, what's going to hurt the value of your franchise more? Paying 10 million bucks in luxury tax for the next two, three years? And they, of course, could get off of some money too. Or losing Gordon Hayward and getting back to being just scratching and clawing to get the eighth seed. Uh, and so... Yeah, if they max out Gordon Hayward at $29.7 million, they will be in the tax, but pretty close to having a full roster with 12 players. And they probably would try to move Alec Burks at some point during the season, you would think. Something they should also consider if Hayward elects to go elsewhere is that in that case, you know, this is a familiar restraint. You can, if you had a dunked on drinking game, they should front load the contract to get to make it more balanced because they won't have as much of an urgent financial pressure. But so I would, with all these type of guys, just agree to that, like, because most most guys would rather have it front loaded anyway because then they get their money quicker so that's great so they can yeah, do that by the way for for utah's long-term plan let's say they bring back hayward and now that trey lyles is gone and he's not the power forward of the future anymore and they really only have Derek favor 
starters on the roster if they they'll be capped out next year if Hayward is is back obviously with, with angles as well Rudy Gobert so they'll either have to pay favors and he you know could have a bounce back year maybe he won't or they'll just have to like use an exception to go and get another starting power forward which could be rather difficult to find but but that's in the future they got to get Hayward back and then they'll just have to deal with everything else exactly and that's just that's just the way it works in in this circumstance I guess do you want to go to Kyle Lowry next they don't have an agreement but they're talking about maybe a three-year deal which is fascinating one more thing though on the jazz Ingles capital is only uh 4.1 million and so if hayward were to leave they could still sign him into this deal last that's actually another benefit of them reaching this agreement to him as opposed to having a ticking clock of having to match and then have him come onto their sheet at his full salary which would be 11.6 million this year if they give him the maximum possible raises so that's another reason to agree to this now and probably it's actually cheaper than it would have been if they had been an offer sheet by all reports and and that way, because, you know, Hayward, who knows how long he's going to take to make his decision. It's going to be probably at least until July 4th could go longer. They have no way of knowing that. So that's another advantage. And if Hayward leaves, then they still would be able to have 12 million in space to go do something with. Yeah, it's a good point. And at that point, the 20 million margin between the cap line and the tax line would be more than enough to do what they need to do. Yeah. So let's get to Lowry now. Yeah. So Lowry, it, it's so we talked about the point guard market drying up at some point and it wasn't for Drew and it wasn't for Jeff Teague so it looks like it's going to be for Kyle Lowry and George Hill well again it's very interesting of who are the suitors now for Lowry there is some support that uh, for the idea that the Sacramento leverages had some interest and I forget who it was it was someone I had not really heard of that much before but you sent it to me so I'm sure it was reliable that and you can take full responsibility if it's not but uh that it would take a max offer to get him to Sacramento you would think that'd probably be true because you know you're not going to win anything there but it would be a lot of money and other than that, as we've talked about ad nauseum, really nowhere else for him to go. Indiana and Chicago definitely could use him and have space for him, but it doesn't look like either of those teams are going to be trying to compete this year. And so $27 million a year for three years, that's kind of what was being about. Was that Amick who was saying that, you know, that's kind of what he was expecting? Do you remember who that was? I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm unable to give credit sometimes because there's so many reports, I can't remember who it is every time. I do not remember. Uh, I, I'm I'm going through my... Oh, uh, it might your, have been Jeff Zilgit. It might have been Je- Ze- Jeff Zilgit, actually. I'm going through your mandatory newsbreakers list, and I'm trying to find it, but I don't I don't see it. I'm still... I'm all the way back to Iguodala, but not all the way back to to, to, to Lowry, which was earlier in the day. Well, anyway, I, I remember seeing that. I wrote it down. <laughs> uh, we'll see whether that is accurate or not. Sorry, my memory's not perfect there, but that seems like a fair deal at this point. Again, it just if you were to talk about Redick, for example, you would have thought he'd get at least... 60 million in guaranteed money this time last year right you would have thought Iguodala would have that out there by the way I thought Andre did did pretty well because it's unclear that he had anywhere close to that kind of an offer certainly not from the Spurs or Houston who were the ones that he talked about and Sacramento supposedly was only two years at the same type of per year amount that the Warriors were talking which is crazy I can't believe Sacramento uh didn't go higher than that anyway yeah so I mean it seems like if that's what the offer is he's gonna have to end up just taking it and again it would be surprising to see it would be an, an example of the highest profile guy on a team getting getting less relative to 
his maximum than other players, but that happens. And Toronto is going to get expensive, so thought they were going to have to squeeze on something. And it might also be that they lose both PJ Tucker and Patrick Patterson. They've already lost PJ Tucker. Maybe they'll lose Pat Pat as well. But we'll have to go through that. Next place I want to go is a guy that I've been fascinated with for this whole time, Paul Millsap. Millsap w- was looking like his suitors were all in the Western Conference because the early thing, I think this was Sam Amick, was Sacramento, Denver, Minnesota, and Phoenix, something to that effect. And now Phoenix is reportedly out, which is notable not only because that narrows the suitors, which also might include Minnesota just because the money they've already spent, and because the reporting is also indicating, I think this is from Woj, that Phoenix is getting out of the big name free agent market entirely. Yeah, that was interesting. And the reason for that, who knows, right? But they abruptly pulled out. They were supposed to have a meeting with him, I think, and then they canceled it or uh, pulled any offer that they might have made. And perhaps that's because they had $25 million in space and that wasn't enough for Millsap. That might be the reason. Or they just decided, hey, you know, we've got all these young power forwards. We want to develop them. And there's not that many teams going the tanking route. So maybe we can try and do that again this year and pick up some more assets, uh, take on some bad contracts quickly before we get back to Millsap what do you think that means for Alex Len who Shams kind of did the obligatory you always see it around this time or you know that when guys start not having a market their agents want to show them that they're trying to do something so the agents will like pressure someone like Shams to say because I think the, the exact tweet from Shams was Alex Len is one of the more intriguing free agents on the markets he's talking with several teams about potential scenarios like that was his, his tweet and that's just like okay you know that's that's like the quid pro quo you do that kind of tweet and that's why as an agent i'm going to give you stuff right like that and also the other reason too is that agents and team guys they talk to guys for information you know that's the other reason part of that quid pro quo that enables them to get stories that they can then break so with shams that seemed like what was going on there and i don't mean to single him out because this is basically happens for probably any reporter that breaks news it's the business so yeah which is fine i don't care i i I like news being broken i don't complain i mean it's just you got to just know what's going on and and it's and and those are pretty easy to interpret once you know what to look for right i mean we talked about that tweet about oh the luxury tax will be a significant obstacle for joe lacob right like that last year so or 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 last night from from shams same thing that was clearly coming from andre's camp so anyway, what does that mean for Alex Len? We struggled in the mock-off season to even find a space for New Orleans Noel. Finally, I was able to scrounge up an offer out of Atlanta to get some leverage to go go back to Dallas. Atlanta doesn't look like they're in a mode to add anybody. And Noel is obviously a far superior player to Alex Len. So I don't see where the hell Len is going to get an offer. I mean, he may be just going back in the $4.2 million qualifying offer or you know, we'll have to take some deal. I mean, I certainly don't see a team that would think about even giving him eight figures right now i don't see a team that would give him eight figures there there are squads that could give him maybe a little bit more in terms of length if he wanted that like maybe indiana if they don't if they're not really feeling al jefferson as their backup center something like that could work but i don't i mean you you don't sign a guy a a guy who is under a qualifying offer as a restricted free agent who is the number five pick in the draft for backup center money for like seven million or six million a year like that's just there's no point even signing that because they'll just match it so so i think it would have been better off for 
done if, all right, we're going to sign Millsap, we're going to sign other free agents, and we can't keep your $12 million capital on the book, so we're just going to let you go. Now you'll be unrestricted. You can get something else. Now it seems like he's just going to be destined to languish. And, and hopefully for Phoenix, they don't like give in and give him the Myers Leonard for absolutely no reason, which is what and, Portland did last year. God, that and, was so dumb of them, by the way. He will be a great test of the idea that seven footers get paid no matter what, because there aren't as many spots for those guys now. And also a lot of the teams that have money really don't have a need like Orlando. Orlando spending the money that they have on their centers. I've assumed that they're going to be completely out of this market. Yeah, maybe they could move Vooch for somebody else and then spend on an Alex Len if they really wanted to. But I, I just don't see that happening, especially not in the near term, because that has to happen all of it within like three, four days. Let's get back to Millsap now with the sun's out. Sam Amick, oh no, I'm sorry. I think it was Aldridge, David Aldridge saying that he was hearing Minnesota might kind of be out on Millsap too. And that would make a little bit of sense because Minnesota only with about 15 million in cat space right now could maybe clear some more out of the way to get Millsap. But I think the other concern for Minnesota is the length in terms of years for Millsap and particularly the 2019-20 season when Jimmy Butler would obviously be a bigger priority than Millsap. They will have to pay up Butler likely a maximum deal that'll be about 30 million Towns's extension will have kicked in by then Wiggins will have kicked in by then and so to pay another guy 25 30 million a year probably not realistic at that point especially when you still got to pay uh, Gorgie Jang as well at that point so I think as when it became clear that he really wanted a third year I think that probably was more of an issue than even necessarily clearing the space would have been obviously 15 million wouldn't be enough for him and maybe even 22 if you dump the 7 million for Aldridge it wouldn't be enough but they could dump Aldridge and, and and Bielitsa is a fine contract. I think he would, you could dump him for nothing, probably. Aldrich would require an asset, but hopefully not too much of one. Uh, or they could even just, you know, kind of take back a guy who is also bad salary and making less than him. In, in any event, it seems like Minnesota might be out unless they can get, uh, you know, the market really collapses for him. Uh, Sam Amick saying that Paul Millsap and the Kings appeared for the moment anyway, he says. Unlikely, maybe the leverages will get back into it. But I don't see why a power forward really makes sense for the Kings, although Zach Randolph is being talked about there. But they, I mean, Scalabissier is supposed to be their power forward. He showed great promise last year. Like, just start the guy, you're the Kings. Uh, but, you know, I think they still always want to get want to get better. So that really leaves Denver. You know, I, I'm not sure what other suitor is out there now for Millsap that can pay him his asking price and I gotta say despite what happened in the mock off season I'm starting to feel pretty good about my bet with Bontemps that Millsap would not get the max because if he's only got one suitor that's even gonna be a remotely decent team wants to pay him that much and he's he has like a connection to the Denver area having spent some time there as a youth that I don't see why they would offer him the max unless it's like you know the max for two years or something like that which is actually you know I might consider something like that if I were Denver rather than going I might rather offer him that contract than offer him him you know three years 25 million but i'm it's starting to get that feel to me that like you know three years 25 million three years or, or three years at 25 million a year three years you know 85 million 90 million that's kind of start it's starting to get that feel because they're just are not you don't get a max offer unless usually unless the team plays it poorly unless there are multiple people bidding for you and it doesn't appear to be the case right now although denver had a long meeting with them in Atlanta today with uh, Josh Kroenke and Tim Connolly, Gary Harris went, went as well. 
Gary but Harris, who I believe was to, yeah. almost traded for Paul Millsap a year ago right now. Uh, and also was almost traded yesterday for Kevin Love. Supposedly that was the offer. Denver and Cleveland thought that was going to be the offer that they could get. Uh, send Gary Harris, who, God, that would have been so much better than that crap that they did get, uh, considering Harris is better probably than Oladipo right now and is like four years younger than him and is two years left on his rookie scale deal still. But uh, I digress. But, but there was no Harris commitment only have one? Do you, does he only have one year or does he have two? I'm sorry. You're right. He does have one year left. Yeah, he was 2014 drafts i apologize um you should but uh, as an ardent ardent supporter of paul Millsap to denver i've been beating that drum for six months now i am thrilled by the prospect and the outside possibility that they could depending again the years not dollars question will be big here if they go a little bit longer that they could actually theoretically try to squeeze him and danilo gallinarian would be fascinating i don't think yeah. it's totally necessary but they would be a behemoth if they could actually pull that off yeah they might actually get up to like you know six in the west <laughs> i mean the god the western conference i i am really glad especially because you know we live on the west coast and so it's easier to watch those games i am pretty glad that it's looking like the West is just going to be like this absolute monster again. It's just yeah, the we're East just gonna, we're just going to ignore all games that start in Eastern Conference cities for the Twitter NBA show. We'll just do West games from now on. Mount Central. Yeah. The only and problem Central is nobody is the only problem is like nobody is awake. Uh, That's you true. Know, sadly, uh, the majority of our population. Fine. When they play the Sixers, the we can we can do it. When they play the Sixers, we're in. Yeah, and bringing in Millsap, they might start to get impacted a little bit once Jokic probably gets the max next year. Once Harris requires an extension, we'll see what happens. With Mason Plumley as well, and Denver has ways to get off some money potentially. Jameer Nelson is probably someone that they could trade. Will Barton they could very easily trade, making three point five million. Probably should trade. Really, you know, that's eight million bucks worth of salary right there. So if they got up to there, that that would put them at forty two million in space. Yeah, that probably could get it done. Maybe for Millsap and Gallo, depending on the number of years that they wanted to offer. The last two kind of teams that I think we need to cover the Charlotte. Hornets signed Michael Carter Williams to basically the exact contract KP had Shelvin Mack getting. And the reason for that is because it buys them enough space under the tax to bring in minimum guys. 2.7 million one year. I don't love the fit because he can't shoot, but at 2.7 million, the options were never going to be that good. Yeah, especially if it's only one year. And, and for Carter Williams, you know, signing on for one year is useful. I like the fit better than you for a couple of reasons. One is that I think they just needed someone who can create a shot. And and on their second unit and Carter Williams actually can do that a little bit like he can get into the post against mismatches you know especially if he's playing a lineup with Batum at the two like he might have a chance to do that he's his lack of shooting you know if they're going to play someone like Kaminsky at the four or maybe even the five that becomes a little bit more palatable his fit with Howard is not as good but you know if he's playing on the second unit hopefully they can avoid having to play with him as much they've got this is a team that has pretty decent shooting on it and I think just as someone who could create a shot maybe defend twos as well he could play maybe a little bit with Kemba Walker depending on how things shake out I think he's okay I still think that he has some modicum of untapped potential obviously he was terrible in the playoffs last year but he's a guy who could still do some things defensively a little bit of a prickly personality but perhaps he's gotten to the point now where he's been humbled so i think this is actually okay for charlotte and especially because just to get someone who could be competent has a little bit of an upside at least you've got someone when you know that you just had so little budget here just to get someone who might not suck on a one-year deal for 2.8 million in the backup point guard market like i think they did okay here actually boston on the other hand interestingly signed uh daniel feast 
Reese uh, to a two-year deal, likely for the minimum. He is a, in Germany, really long, skinny center type. Got a little bit of pick and pop game. I, I watched a little film on him today and a good finisher around the rim. Not very explosive, but has some length. And of course, uh, that could have led to like what Danny LaRue would have made an awesome headline if he were the headline writer for one of the Boston papers next year or, or, or tomorrow. Deeply regrettably, it's Tice, so it's Tice is it, but it still works, and... I was really hoping it would be this is it because I know so, so right. it's one of those lines that <laughs> that I because of Twitter it actually worked better in text form so I was very pleased that I got to make it in text form first and but I mean so Boston now is in this is in this situation where they kind of have this space and now there's really only one guy to spend it on yeah with Blake Griffin obviously having returned Tice will not affect that I assume he's just going to sign for the the rookie minimum but the other thing that they did was they officially signed Ante Zizic, uh, who I'm looking forward to seeing in Utah two days from now. That's actually, I can't believe we're starting soon. Zizic, of course, the number 23 pick in 2016, only making 1.6 million. He was always going to come over, but he has officially signed, as has Jason Tatum. And so what that means now is even if they don't bring over Yabusele, who I think is expecting to be signed, and they were expecting to sign, and even if they traded Terry Rozier, they would still be about 500k short of a max contract for Gordon Hayward. And, and with those two guys, they're only at 26.6. That max is 29.7. They're 3 million short at the moment. And that's if they waive Demetrius Jackson. Now, there's really no way for them to do a sign and trade with Utah. Uh, maybe they could if they sent back some salary. Uh, but, you know, again, you're still having to give something up there. So most likely, it seems like they would have to move on. I mean, their next biggest salaries are Marcus Smart, 4.5, Jalen Brown, 5.0, Jason Tatum, 5.6. Tatum, They'd have to move on from one of those three guys or Jay Crowder or Avery Bradley or Isaiah Thomas. I mean, they don't have any other salary to move really and so that's something that could be a little bit difficult they also have jordan mickey who they, they would have to waive in this scenario as well but presumably if hayward wants to come there they could just trade smart away and that's what we ended up doing in the mock-off season but it's it could be a little bit difficult for them and marcus smart is a valuable player and whatever they trade him for they probably that's not going to help them as much this year smart's versatility still could have been useful they still need a, a backup point guard though if they do get hayward and it's there's been a little bit of reporting around Hayward that Miami is is looking like more of a favorite because they're offering him more of a chance to just be the lead ball handler and the lead guy compared to Boston. Uh, you know, I'm not, and they still have Goran Dragic on the team, so I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, he doesn't handle it as much as Isaiah Thomas, but Boston is a pr- pretty egalitarian offense. And in, once Hassan Whiteside yeah. gets the ball, no one else is getting the ball. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got to get his post touches. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen there? Again, we think, you know, that Utah meeting schedule on July 3rd doesn't sound like we're gonna get any kind of clarity there but I think what's happening I mean I still we've seen less signings than we would have expected fewer signings we would have expected because I think the Hayward domino is really holding things up and the reason for that is Boston and Miami are the most desirable destinations and they both have max space or pretty close to it so if you're a free agent in the tier just below Hayward 
you don't want to sign somewhere yet unless you get an absolutely overwhelming offer because it's going to be with a worse team and a worse market than Boston or Miami. And you don't want to sign and then give up the chance that one of those two teams misses out on Hayward and then you could go there. And, and then, you know, the Miami guys, Waiters, James Johnson, they're pretty close to the top of the market outside of the superstars at this point. Boston, they might try to move on someone like Taj Gibson they might try to to get in on, on some deals i mean they're going to be totally screwed either way i think like if they lose hayward you mentioned that. i mean they were really, like what a, what else is the plan i guess they probably would just try to bring back kelly olenic at that point and well, you know try so, to get more well, athletic in the front court and outside the box idea i had was that they could try to get they could try to get kcp to be the next avery bradley yeah maybe i mean maybe they could even try to uh, but uh, do a sign and trade there uh, send bradley back to the pistons i don't know it's, it's it wouldn't be ideal and especially because do you think that if they don't get hayward and obviously they're not going to get george now that trading the number one pick does that make trading the number one pick look worse yes because i, I think, think it does. yeah I, I think part of the plan was hey well, this number one pick is too much to trade we got to break it up into smaller assets and then it'd be okay to trade some of those but now they haven't traded any of those and they are now you know what, what are you going to do with all those assets i mean it really is it almost becomes the anthony davis plan and just hope that the pelicans are terrible or or you know i don't know i mean there's not really anybody else who's gonna be available in unrestricted free agency in 2018 that they could get and they're obviously you know with bradley and smart if they keep him and, and isaiah thomas they're just they're gonna be capped out anyway in 2018 so it's really looking for who is the next superstar available that we trade for and it's unclear precisely whom that might be they also have lost with without Markel Fultz a lot of the the risk mitigation for Isaiah Thomas because that was one of the ideas here was that okay if you if if Fultz delivers then you could either trade Isaiah or you do you don't you don't have to say we're going to pay you as much money as you want now they don't have any other options there and from what I've heard this next draft class is not loaded at point guard anyway would you really throw the keys to a rookie at that spot and yeah maybe you could trade it for a more established guy but that gets hard we don't really see any I don't see any point guards that really you would give up a lottery pick for right now that that fit their bill so it's a challenge if, if Danny Ainge doesn't get Gordon Hayward and they very well could we don't know we don't know where he's going to go but the downside risk now is much much greater than we could have ever anticipated before the draft and you would think that if if Hayward wanted to play with George there'd been some reporting of that ilk earlier in the spring that now the the fact that there's just no chance of getting George has got to reduce their chances of getting Hayward I would think so unless you know it really is i mean it's all what gordon wants too like he is a really competitive guy and it could be that he just really wants the chance to like have the ball in his hands every single time and like be the big star and in that case miami is probably a better fit for him anyway one non-celtics but still in the atlantic division thing do we have any idea what ron baker signed for no but he apparently has yeah following well he didn't follow iguodala's lead iguodala followed his as two of the only players to announce their own signings but he announced his early on july 1st excited for him he was a, a you know one of those rare players who was a free agent after his rookie year but actually impressed in his rookie year so we'll see what the actual number is he was arenas limited but he's going back to the knickerbockers probably on something within a reasonable range just considering it happened so quickly i will hopefully i mean it was an eventful day we still recorded here for more than enough time but 
I'm hoping we'll see a little more movement tomorrow, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's not until really that Hayward domino falls that we really see a flurry of signings. And then we could see, I mean, nothing will ever top that day after LeBron signed when there's in 2014, when there were just probably like 30 signings within like the next four hours. But we could just see this backlog as everyone creates their contingency plans, depending on where Hayward ends up. So that'll do it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Dunked on t-shirts available. NateDunkinNBA.com. There's a tab on the top for for merch uh, dunked on mugs as well that uh, certainly useful for me because uh, we need some caffeine for this free agent period and don't forget about our patreon subscription as well i've been hard at work basically every single time a new signing happens i would be putting that into my spreadsheet anyway of all the salaries and i have usually a number of different scenarios set up for each team with their cap holds and how much effective space they have and stuff like that so i will just post that on patreon usually with you know a, a few sentences of commentary about where i see them and uh you can get access to that for the cost of $7 a month to be uh, a subscriber. Patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. Of course, there's a link to that as well on our website, NateDuncanNBA.com. Well, and I can also mention the thing that I'm going to do on Monday. So Monday, I'm flying. I think we're both flying on Monday to Salt Lake City, but I'm going to do for Patreon subscribers only what I'm calling an airport AMA. And so I'm going to take some of the time that I'm sitting at the airport waiting for my flight to take off to just answer questions for Patreon subscribers. And that's another, we're still working through ways to make this subscription better but that's one that i want to try on early monday morning i'll put the submission thread up on sunday during the day just so it has a little bit more time to propagate so by the time you listen to this it'll probably be up yeah to give you an idea what you're getting with the patreon i have now posted 20 times in the last two days so you're you're getting your money's worth it at least for now and we'll endeavor to give you enough content to keep it worth your while uh, all through the rest of the off season and into next year obviously we'll also another thing we'll probably provide for subscribers is when the season starts up again do some of our twitter nba shows or or periscopes where only the people who subscribe can comment because especially because during the finals we started getting more viewers like some of the commentary started to get pretty annoying uh so that a makes us uh, a little bit of money helps support the twitter nba show but b also gives the intelligent people who actually are willing to pay for good content a chance to comment and boost the quality of the discussion so that's something that we may do as well all right we are done here thanks so much for listening and assuming stuff happens tomorrow we'll be back tomorrow night till then everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.